Welcome to the 5511 Podcast, inspiring stories of God's power being poured out globally in the lives of ordinary people. Hosted by Dirk Smith, Peyton Armstrong, and Brooke Kell. This podcast is supported by EEM. EEM publishes, prints, and distributes Bibles and Bible-based materials in 30-plus nations and in 20-plus languages, free to all. Hello, and welcome to the 5511 Podcast, once again, supported by EEM, where every story is a living example of Isaiah 5511. I am Dirk, and joining me as always are Brooke and Peyton. Good morning, ladies. How are you both? Good morning. Doing well. Good morning. Man, today is our final episode of our inaugural season. This is That's kind of hard to believe. This is 10. We've been through 10 of these. I know. And we're still sane. We're still, we're still kicking. I mean, we're doing okay. It's gone by really fast. Really I've got fast. A really, I've got a really, really big cup of coffee this morning. <laughs> me too. <laughs> other than that, it's all good. And man, today we have a great one. We are joined today with it by a special guest, Dasha Novakova, who is EEM's National Director for Ukraine. And man, her story... And her insights to all that's going on in Ukraine, I'm looking forward to hearing. And uh, I know our listening audience will be looking forward to that as well. Good morning or afternoon to you, Dasha. How are you? Good morning, Dirk. Good morning, Brooke and Peyton. I'm doing well. And uh, really excited about uh, this podcast and me taking part in it today. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, we Thank you too. for your invitation. Well, thanks for making time for us. I know you're busy. Um, for our listening audience, if you would, Dasha, just tell, tell them your job title and kind of your job responsibilities with EEM. I'm director of EEM operations in Ukraine. And also now I'm coordinating EM humanitarian aid efforts to help Ukrainians who lived, whose lives were affected by war. And give us a little bit of your background, I guess, um, you know, where you grew up, how you became a Christian, and maybe even a little bit about your family now as well. I was born in Donetsk, uh, east, uh, east of Ukraine in 1981. And as long as I remember myself, I was always asking my parents uh, questions about God. Uh, my parents at that time were uh, members of Communist Party, and as follows, they were atheists. So I guess they couldn't fulfill my curiosity. And eventually, my dad took me to Orthodox church to orthodox uh, temple and uh, this was the first time when i've been uh, touching uh, some um, uh, image of uh, some reflection of uh, of god uh, then i attended several more different churches and finally i uh, was baptized in uh, when i was uh, 13 years old and actually a couple of years after my parents uh, also decided to repent in their sins and uh, follow Jesus, become Jesus followers in their lives. So this is shortly uh, how my family was uh, uh, introduced to Christianity. We lived in Donetsk until 2014. 
and then when the first wave of uh, Russian aggression uh, towards Ukraine started when Crimea was annexed and east of the country was captured by you know, unrecognizable troops. That's a great way to describe that, unrecognizable troops. That's That was really what it was, wasn't it? I mean, you couldn't tell what they were. Yeah, they were military people. They haven't had any uh, marks or any belongings uh, who they belong to. Uh, they all were different nationalities by the way they spoke and the way they looked. But everybody knew who they were. Everybody yeah. knew who they where, where are they coming from. So you had to flee from Donetsk then? Yes, we, we fled and we first we moved to uh, Zaporozhye. Uh, we lived there for six months. Uh, then I, I uh, recognized more opportunities for EM ministry uh, in uh, other areas of uh, Ukraine. So we made a decision to move to Kiev. Uh, and this is where we lived for past eight years until recent escalation uh, yeah. happened and the full-scale war that we may now call uh, happened. For our listening audience, um, your your father, Peter, passed away. Three years ago. Yeah, that's recent for me, you know. But uh, then you tell us about the rest of your family that's with you there in in, uh, in Vienna. My mom is uh, with me and also my daughter, who is uh, 11. Her name is Masha. And my name, my mother's name is Natasha. Yes, uh, sweet, sweet mom and sweet daughter. I'm so glad that I'm so glad that they're with me, that we're all in a safe place. And uh, God, through his uh, angels, is mm. taking very good care of us. Mm, amen to that. Praise yeah. the Lord. Well, if you don't mind sharing with everybody, tell us tell us where you were and what your initial thoughts were when the full-scale Russian invasion took place in Ukraine and the war began. There were some signs of uh, of this war uh, beginning uh so analyzing the um, analyzing them as well as uh, having uh, my past experience in Donetsk, uh, as well as uh, you may call it intuition, some people will call it common sense. But um, just a week before war had started, uh, we made a decision to uh, move to a safer area, uh, just not to be um, caught in the situation that could happen. So a week before the war started, uh, we uh fled to Bulgaria. Uh, we pack the most necessary belongings. We took our documents and uh, yes, we sit in the car and we drove to Varna uh, in Bulgaria. We drove for two days and we, we stopped for, wow. we spent the night in uh, Ismail close to the border with uh, Moldavia. And yes, we we ended up uh, in uh, in Bulgaria, but it was so very unusual experience uh, that I uh, had while getting ready for this uh, trip. 
because it was really we were doing something that we were hoping that will not happen yet we wanted to be ready and take precautions so we were getting ready when things were still peaceful and you know everybody lived their normal life yet we were packing and thinking what do we need to take what do i want to bring with me in case i will never be back to this place how can i pack my life my memories in just two suitcases wow. what, what should i take from this life into the new life that i may have uh very soon so that was that was very difficult uh mm -hmm. to accept and to to do it yeah 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 that had to be bizarre because you were going off of a hunch and it wasn't like the full scare war so so you're there in bulgaria then for how long before the war actually before the invasion then happened five days yeah five days man yeah so what what were your thoughts then i mean so you're in bulgaria and you're in this strange place and now you get the word that well the hunch was right glad we got out of there what what were you thinking of course we were broken because it it happened uh, like every uh, best scenario you're hoping you're hoping that it will not happen so this news even though we were preparing for them they were like lightning hitting us like uh, something very painful and difficult to handle i couldn't for for first uh, days i couldn't uh, really function pro properly as as a as a human being just because i didn't want i was so shocked i i didn't want to do anything i didn't want to eat i didn't want to uh calm my hair uh everything seemed to be just senseless uh seeing what is happening and how that is happening and how much destruction it it brings we were safe we were in a way happy but we still were broken and still are about things that take place about uh, people who die about uh, destruction about what people are going through how they are suffering uh, the separation with dear ones and the death of uh, parents of uh, relatives is just uh, very very ugly that is unimaginable after going through a period of time where it was very shocking and the unimaginable started happening what was it like to begin to live life again or carry on while you were watching it happen in ukraine we had just to force ourselves that that, that you will not do any good by just sitting there and being desperate that this is not the way to handle the situation that you need to get back to your senses and do what you can do your part if you can help people direct uh, those who are fleeing uh, those who are uh traveling if you can direct them uh to the right place if you can uh, let them know where they can be helped if you can uh provide them with some help 
then just do it. Don't, don't feel sorry for yourself. Just do what you can do to those who are suffering more, those who are in the worst condition that you are. We were in a safe place, but there were so many people who were not there. Mm. Uh, this is actually how we started moving little by little, thinking about others and uh, what we can do and how we can uh, uh, help in, in, those, in that new reality. Mm. Yeah, so with that new reality, I know from early on, there were conversations about beginning to provide humanitarian aid and things like that. I am curious how you saw God move in the chaos in the beginning of the war and when you all got things started with humanitarian aid and things like that. I believe that it was God himself moving people. Uh, first of all, moving uh, moving those who wanted to help but who were far away, uh, moving heart, their hearts and uh, their efforts, uh, asking uh, how we can help, what can we do, uh, can we do more than just praying for you, let us know. Uh, so I think that was uh, the, the main starting point uh, of EM being involved in humanitarian aid. Am I right, Dirk? Because you know that part. You were the ones who stepped up and um, made the decision to to really do it because it was a lot of work on, on you all. And uh, I think the amazing thing for me watching you and what, you know us watching you all is here you were in a new place, a strange place, away from home, and your reaction was, like you said, we have to help. We have to do something. And you didn't. You didn't sit down and go, woe is me, poor us. You know, you immediately said, we have to help and we can help. And you came to us and said, we would like to help. So I, I give, yes, I give God the credit, but I give God the credit moving through you. It, it was the easiest uh, decision in my life because uh, there was uh, no other um uh, there was no other way for us uh, to do so, uh, along with continuing distribution in of literature in in Ukraine. We were the requests for literature and for Bibles were just pouring in. Uh, so many, so many uh, partners and churches and Christians got involved in uh, helping people. There, there was no any uh, church building. Uh, empty as before because uh, everybody was opening the doors for people fleeing uh, from the areas of the conflict uh, providing them with uh, uh, you know space to to sleep I cannot even say it was beds to sleep because it was just you know floor people slept like in the rows uh, on on the floor uh, because the float of people was was huge uh, and, and everybody was opening their doors and uh, uh, giving their hand of uh, help. You need a warm drink, here you are. You need a blanket, uh, there you go. You need a shower, please uh, use our facility. Uh, what what we have uh, is yours, you, you, you can use it. Uh, 
Um, so this is really how it started. People people started calling us and asking, can we have Bibles? Uh, would you please send us Bibles? We want to give people uh, more than just a cup of uh, soup. We want to provide people with some comfort. Uh, and uh, that was really the only thing that was providing desperate souls uh, the foundation to... to and hope uh it the, the main thing it, it was providing is uh is hope uh so we were fulfilling those requests for bibles but also we wanted to give more we wanted to to help them with the first necessity things dasha you bring up hope so that kind of leads me to wonder if you could potentially share a story or the most hope-filled story that you have maybe experienced or um, heard about kind of on the front lines of you being over all of the humanitarian aid? Is there a story that um, comes to your mind that really just inspired you with hope? Yes. As I'm talking to hundreds of uh, people every, every week, and hearing from uh, them and their work and uh, how they're affecting the lives of uh, other people. Uh, I can say that all stories are different in some way. All stories are personal because all people are different. So uh, th there is very big personal uh, part in that. Yet all stories are very, very similar because people need help and what they feel when they are being helped. I would like to bring uh, up one uh, story of several ladies uh, whom we helped. They were, uh, they were single mothers. Uh, they, um, two of them were fighting the cancer. Mm. Uh, and uh, before th they were already di diagnosed with cancer before the war, and they were uh, they had surgeries, they had uh, they were taking chemotherapy, but uh, they they were in struggle even before the war. But when the war had started, uh, all of their relatives who before were helping them, they had their own problems. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes for some for, for many reasons relatives were not able to to help those ladies uh, cover the cost of the medication so our partner reached out to us and they 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 said could you help these ladies to to buy medicine because they need to continue their treatments they are mothers they have their kids uh the, the, they need to take care about their kids but they themselves need uh, some help and and care as well so we provided uh, we provided uh, them with funds enough for um for for, for the treatment uh, these are the treatments that need to be taken uh once or three months so we we covered the cost uh, and of course it took away a uh, huge burden from their shoulders mm. uh, because they needed to, they lost their jobs, they needed to feed their kids uh, and move uh, to a different place. So they lost everything. And so the, when, when we heard back from, uh, from these uh, ladies, 
of course, they were thanking us for financial help. But what they said was, you provided way more to us. You remind us that we are not alone fighting this, this battle. You uh, have shown us uh, love, supreme love, and you have shown us hope and conf- given us confidence that we are not alone, that there is somebody who cares about us. And uh, we know who it is who cares about them. Wow. That's good. So when we are providing help, we're not only helping their basic people's basic needs, we are giving them hope and uh, showing them that God is caring about them, that they're not alone in this uh, time of struggle. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, it really is. It is. Uh, have you noticed, Dasha, I mean, you mentioned, uh, like in, in your earlier statement, you, you said, I mean, it was the easiest decision you had to make. It wasn't a decision you had to help. Did you see that in all of the refugees around you? Did you see that overall spirit happening in the refugee community, uh, reaching out and helping each other? I mean, had you ever seen anything like that? I mean, you might have seen it when you fled Donetsk. Um, I don't know. This is a much bigger scale war. But did you feel that same spirit within the community of refugees to just reach out and help their fellow Ukrainian with whatever they needed? Or was that more isolated to individuals? In Back in 2014, it was totally different because, as you said, uh, the territory of this conflict was uh, way smaller. Uh, it was only two regions. They were large regions. But uh, basically, nobody really knew what happened. Uh, people started fleeing, and for the rest of the country, people didn't know what is happening. For the rest of the country, uh, they knew that uh, there are separatists in the Donetsk and Lugansk region, and that they uh, wanted uh, Russia help, uh, and that they wanted to be a part of Russia, and this is how the problem started. While for us, it was totally different, because... Some strange people came into our land with weapons uh, and they just took it. Nobody asked us. Nobody listened to us. Uh, what do we want? Uh, it, it just happened. Uh, one one day, uh, all the police stations, uh, all the government buildings were occupied with with a different government and, and power. So uh, all we could, we couldn't protest because those were people with, with weapons. Uh, we just uh, had to, you know, go to the safe place and the rest of the country were not aware about that. News were not uh, showing the full situation. They were not explaining what happened. Uh, so the attitude from, from the rest of the country wasn't uh, that unifying uh, because it was smaller amount of people who, who were aware of what is uh, happening. Uh, those who knew, they definitely were helping each other. Those who understood were helping. Uh, but from the rest of the country, uh, we we were strangers. We were just total strangers who started uh, moving to 
uh, other cities and uh, yeah that the situation in uh, 2022 was totally different because it was full-scale invasion uh, one morning on february 24th uh, explosions started all over the country uh, it wasn't just one region it was all over the country all the critical infrastructure uh, everybody was uh, awake four in the morning with the sounds of explosions and of course the whole country panicked there was no family who couldn't hear the sounds of war uh, so that really put people bound people together uh, the, the most the invasion started from uh, from the north of the country uh, and also from uh, from the south and also eastern part uh, so uh, the western part of the country was relatively uh, safe, uh, so this is where most people started uh, moving to. Also, central central uh, regions that were not affected by that, and so churches and those who could open their doors in. Uh, more or less safer areas I, I i want to say there was no safe area there were more or less uh, safe areas so in those more or less safe areas they opened the doors they started uh, helping and there was no difference if you are a christian or you're a catholic or your orthodox tradition or uh, you know any other uh, confession uh, people were just helping each other people were uh, providing uh, what was necessary at that at that moment and that really uh, united the whole country because we, we were united by the same uh, grief by the same uh, sorrow same enemy same enemy you're right yes you know i don't know guys i i can't help but make a spiritual application here when you think about uh, you know, Dasha, what you just said, the first invasion, your, your statement, those who understood and were aware of the in, invasion and were affected by it, they helped. But then there were people that didn't understand, and so they didn't do anything to help. It was almost like they were in denial of it. But this one is a full scale, nobody questions who the enemy is, and so everybody's helping each other. Think about our, think about our Christian walk. I mean, isn't that it? There are so many, and sometimes it's us, sometimes it's me, that I don't understand. I'm like, I'm like the person in the first invasion. I don't understand who the enemy is, and I don't understand that there is an enemy. And so I walk along not helping people and not sharing Jesus with people because that's the hope. I mean, as Dasha said earlier, people asking for Bibles. But when we understand, if we would understand, all of us would understand, those of us that claim to be disciples of Jesus would understand that there's an enemy and it's Satan. We would be helping. Everybody would be helping. Everyone would be reaching out and doing something. Nobody would be sitting on the sidelines idle because we know there's an enemy. 
I, I just couldn't help but make that spiritual comparison. That was just so remarkable and and such a such a vivid example of what we see in a, in our spiritual lives played out in our physical lives. And you've experienced it, Dasha, firsthand. Yes. Are you good to keep going, Dasha? Are you okay with going a little bit longer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. All right. I'll tell you, it's not not every day I'm sure our listening audience hears about things and I and it's hard for us to comprehend. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. It's it's gotta be hard for people listening when you're talking about bombs going off and and I think about you, you know, so for, for our listening audience, I mean in, in Donetsk when it happened, you had a house, a, a nice house, a nice house, and your dad was a beekeeper and had bees and had land and you could farm on it. You could have a garden. You had flowers. I mean, it's, and you had to just get up and leave it all. Mm. Then you get to Kiev and you set up house. And like you said, you live there for eight years and you got to get up and once again, yes. like you said, what, what do I pack? What do I take with me? Cause I got to go. So I know our, our listening audience, they're probably like, like the three of us are, even though I'm, I'm aware of it. I still have a hard time wrapping my brain around that. I just, I can't. Yeah, I do too. I, I can't imagine. I've never, I've never had to do that. Yeah. yeah. Any Bible stories or verses that, you know, through all of this that you've really rested on? Is there a place you've gone in, in scripture and, and looked for communication from God? In different uh, days, there are, of course, different uh, inspiring uh, stories for me. But the only words that, uh, I keep uh, reminding myself, myself uh, day to day is the one that if God is with us, then who's who's against us? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're not alone. Uh, I know that there is uh, the army of angels uh, standing behind of us and uh, every everybody who has been uh, affected uh, in different ways by this uh, by this terrible war i believe that god is with us and if he is with us then no government on this earth no uh no power can uh, harm us can damage us yes they can uh, uh, do it physically but spiritually god is with us every day every second every every moment of our life yeah amen Wow. Yeah, Dasha, tell us a little bit more about how and where you have turned for strength during this time and what has been your biggest source of joy and maybe some of your challenges about moving. Oh, there are hundreds of challenges. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where, where do I find joy? Uh, I find joy in. Uh, very simple things. For sure, uh, we cannot control uh, as we used to in our life. You know, we, we plan, we want to control. Uh, I go for vacation there and my kids will go to that school and uh, I will uh, attend church on Sunday. We don't have a privilege to do that. Uh, we have church where we are. We are here this Sunday, 
were gathering together with my family and uh, doing online and uh, joining uh, our other refugees all over the world. Uh, and we we're having, this is how we're having church. We, we attend uh, some congregations uh, here locally. Uh, so we, we, I really find uh, joy in some uh, daily simple things like cup of coffee in the morning, like hearing from people what, what I can do for them today, uh, seeing what, what can be done uh, today without very much uh, planning. Yes, we think about future, uh, but we don't, don't plan too far, too far ahead. And the strength and also the daily inspiration is uh, in people. Uh, I really believe that the, the, the people that I met, I meet uh, daily and who surround me uh, are really God, God angels. Uh, I, I see them differently now. It's uh, our co-workers. You know, I, I believe that every person is a uh, good person in, in, in my life today is moved by God. Uh, so it's whoever we're working with whoever we are meeting with, our partners, and the things that they do in their area uh, are amazing. You know, somebody is uh, having a vehicle and they help to evacuate people and they risk their life every day, but they, but they, they do it because there are people who need their help. Uh, cooks that can cook hot, uh, hot soup and hot uh, meal for... For, 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 for people and they do it daily. Uh, people who, uh, you know, as, as people flee, they spend one night there, one night here and people who are cleaning after, after that. Uh, they're doing huge, huge jobs there. They're making, uh, an important, uh, thing. And, and those who inspire, uh, refugees spiritually, those who in the midst of, uh, this brokenness, they remind people about God and about eternal hopes that they have. And that what we have, what we see uh, now, it's physical and it is temporary. But what is unseen, uh, it is eternal. And mm. there is so much unseen uh, every day that is eternal and that is of a true value. Uh, in this life. Wow. Amen. Is there anything, anything you wish our audience knew, Nasha, that they might not know? And I, that's a, that's a strange question maybe, but is there anything that you've kind of thought, you know, I don't think anybody really understands this from firsthand experience of a war, leaving your home, uh, leaving your stuff. Is there anything that you thought, I wish everybody knew this. There are so many things that you don't know until you yourself uh, experience that. And uh, no matter what I say, but until, uh, and of course, when you think about this, these things, you, you have compassion and you, uh, you imagine how how 
difficult, bad uh, it is. Uh, but I think that pain is is pain for everybody. That sorrow is sorrow for is the same. It feels the same. Uh, so and and there are so many uh, people who are uh, experiencing these these um, feelings and emotions uh, today. So I would say that even though it is hard for for many people to imagine it, just imagine what hurts you. Every person knows how being hurt means physically and also spiritually and emotionally. So uh, just imagining this uh, may help somebody to know how how Ukrainians feel today. Yeah, yeah. What can our, our listeners do to help? I know prayer is essential. And uh, I, in my own life, have have gotten people to, you know, when people have said to me, boy, I wish there was more, more I could do than just pray. I've, I've stopped them from saying that. I, I get them, I know, don't, don't say that because that's really the most you can do. The most you can do is pray because I know personally when you're on the receiving end of the need of those prayers, you feel them. It's mystical. It's actually very mystical, and you feel a peace. So, so I know pray. Um, people have given, and we're continuing the humanitarian aid. So I'll, I'll plug that for our listening audience, which helps you and your team give out humanitarian aid, and that is they could go to our website, eem.org, and up in the top, one of, one of the banners you'll see at the top, it says Ukraine aid. And you can click on that and uh and give and that goes straight to to helping people i i guess um anything last thing you'd like to share before we close off indeed uh prayer is essential prayer is uh uh so valuable and in my own experience i can uh say that uh going through all these trials uh what uh been vital uh, to me is that's so I know that so many people uh, prayed for me. Uh, so many people had lifted and asked God to help me and other Ukrainians. And that made a huge difference. It didn't take away all of our problems and all of our troubles. No, but it did lifted up our hands and it did move our feet to keep on going and to keep on uh, doing what we do and keep on living to keep on helping uh, and not to give up so I'm thankful for all the prayers I know that uh, EM family have been praying for for Ukraine daily I know that uh, our donors and supporters and churches thousands of uh, Christians uh, have been praying so it is essential uh, and this is uh, the most important in in our situation. Uh, we don't know wh when this war will happen. Uh, we know that no war is eternal. Uh, so we know that it will be over uh, one day. And mm -hmm. it is not in our power to make it sooner uh, as we wish for it. So it's all in 
God's hands um, and in his power when this will happen. So please pray for all Ukrainians going through that. Please pray for our defenders, uh, for our government, for those whose lives been affected by uh, war and our ministry. Uh, please yeah. pray for our uh, outreach that yes, we yes. are directing this help where it is needed the most, mm -hmm. that uh, we are directing this help in the most uh, efficient way uh, that we uh, can, that we are providing the most out of what we can. Yeah. yeah thank you, Dasha. I just want to say that it's been such a honor to watch you and your team respond the way that you have. You've responded out of resilience and in partnership with the Holy Spirit. He's directed you and you've allowed him to guide you and and respond in such a way that is meeting physical needs and spiritual needs. And it's been, I think, such a beautiful thing for our whole team to watch, mm -hmm. for our donors to hear about. And you've really modeled what it's like to feel what people are feeling and suffer alongside somebody and come in and offer hope and hold space for both. And I just want to say thank you for leading that and being such a big part of showing us what that looks like. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you. And uh, actually, thank you for asking me these questions uh, because um, it's so important that uh, people uh, know what what is happening you know even from uh, this perspective of somebody who's uh, not been taking part in this uh, war you know in, in the way that others do but who's been uh, trying to help mm. our team have been doing what we can mm. and when we can every time we have an opportunity so i'm happy to uh, share about uh, what is happening, what is going on, and uh, thank you for listening. All right. Well, thank you, Dasha. Thank you for uh, a great, great episode. To our listening audience, we have enjoyed sharing with you all this series. And uh, we have more in the works. Uh, we're going to take several months off. So during that time, it is very important that you add this show to your podcast library. Now, how do you do that? Well, wherever you're listening right now, there's either a plus button up in the upper right-hand corner. Or there's a follow button or there's a subscribe. You click that. And when you do that, our entire show, the feed of all the episodes will show up in your podcast library. So why is that important? Well, because we don't know when we're going to come back and you don't know either, but that will let you know and it'll automatically drop into your library feed and, and uh, that way, wherever you listen to podcasts, it'll be there. We have really appreciated your support. Please share this podcast with people. Let them start at episode one. There's 10 episodes in this first season. And we are very excited about 
Season 2. Can't wait to spend time with you again when we return. We have some great shows lined up. We're excited about Season 2 and are going to be doing some fun interviews in Season 2. So, thanks for listening, and please share the word about us. Peyton, Brooke, thank you guys for a great season, and uh, looking forward to Season 2. And again, Dasha, thanks for being here with us on our last episode of Season 1. Really appreciate it. See you guys. You've been listening to the 5511 Podcast, hosted by Dirk Smith, Peyton Armstrong, and Brooke Kell. It's edited by David Wilkinson. The 5511 Podcast is supported by EEM. EEM publishes, prints, and distributes Bibles and Bible-based materials in 30-plus nations and in 20-plus languages, free to all. To learn more about how you can partner with EEM, go to eem.org. And we'll leave a link for you in the show notes.